0: You are listening to Rouge White and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network.
1: podcast. My name is Joe Pritchard. Oz Davis is on assignment in sunny California. Uh, but joining me this week is Sean Heimberger. And Sean, you've been a CFL fan for probably longer than I've been alive. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, how you got into the game in the first place and what brought you back
0: to it? Oh, wow. Longer longer than you've been alive. That makes me feel incredibly old. Thanks for that.
2: <laughs> You're welcome.
0: Uh, uh what I, I remember as being a, a reasonably small child back in those ancient days, where everything came in printed form, and um, the old—well, they still make they football yearbooks, uh, Street and Smith—would have a very small, maybe three or four-page section in the back of this DFL. You get like maybe one little strange, bizarre picture, and you would wonder. I remember being like seven or eight, going. What the hell is this? They were talking about these people that I weren't familiar with, with these teams that didn't exist, and you know, you didn't know what was what. And uh fast forward a couple years and all of a sudden there's this strange thing called ESPN coming in to uh take over cable and uh and the infant days of ESPN, they would show anything that had a pulse. It was all it was like college basketball and anything else that you want. And they here came the games from Canada using the CBC feed and um they had a offer in the beginning days of ESPN if you had interest in anything they would send you stuff and you would have these promotions during the games you see commercials where they would send you this little it was probably 15 page pamphlet called professional football for canada that explained the rule differences explained everything it was awesome i i went and not got it and, yeah, I think you had Condridge Holloway on the front, getting, getting, uh, scrambling out from being rushed by somebody from Edmonton. And just from we watching it on TV, that was hooked because back then it was just it was before the USFL, and yet it was before the college football the college football suit where Georgia and Oklahoma sued and they were allowed to start showing every game known to man, including like Slippery Rock versus, you know, Reese's Peanut Butter Cup State. And they would – back then, that's college football, you would get one or two games a week. That was it. And EFM was just looking for programming. So they – what whatever they could stick on there, and it, it just – you watch it. It was a strange football league showing games on a Wednesday or Thursday night. And – you're in junior high school, and you'll watch whatever they put on there. So that just kind of spun off of that in a long way, kind of way.
1: Yeah, I, I can even remember even a few years uh, even a few years after that, where I started to get uh, conscious of things like that myself. Later, later in the '80s and early into the '90s, ESPN was still showing stuff to, for our Canadian friends here that wouldn't have the exposure to this, uh, would show stuff like skeet shooting in the middle of the day just simply because that's what they had. They didn't have, I would say, what What would you say? About 2000 or so, they kind of started shifting their focus to more talk shows and more uh, original programming. But before that, it was anything goes.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, uh, really up until, like you said, when, the, when it became so much more talk-based, they they had by then they had the NFL and they had the, the NBA they had major sports but the way it was in like the afternoon in the morning and afternoon was the way it was all the time I I, I remember watching stuff like uh, the legends of uh, pocket billiards yeah you know, where they had like this tournament they brought like these eight to to me they were old guys then I mean. <laughs> Uh, like guys like Minnesota Fats and Willie Moscone, and they would roll these like 75, 80 year old guys out to Atlantic City and they would, uh, tape a tournament. Well, they would show every match of the tournament over, you know, broken up over, uh, pockets of time because it was, it was time filler. It was something to fill the broadcast day. Uh, uh, they would have, they would have like half hour shows about, on like everything known to man. Horse racing had a, had a half hour recap every week. Yeah, uh, the, the USFL team. had a half hour recap show every week. It was like the, it was anything to fill this time because in the eighties, the only thing they had was of any uh, what you call some uh, call uh, mainstream notice was college basketball. Now that was all over the place. They had top notch that they would have the um, the various. You know the various networks like Raycom and Jefferson Pilot, and they would just have deals with each conference, and they had all the that was all the great stuff. But there was no next to no college football, no contracts with the major league sports, and it it was it was like the Wild West watching ESPN, and the CFL fit perfectly into that because their games were live. Usually, they weren't like the NFL Sunday at one. And they were free because all they were doing was grabbing the signal. Didn't have to send anybody up. Didn't cost you an arm and a leg. So the CFL fit perfectly into that. At least in, it wasn't like the uh, I'm getting way ahead of myself when they got the contract back in the early '90s when you got to see uh, the wonderful combination of Gus Johnson and Mike Mayock. They actually were sending them to do games around the time ESPN two started.
1: Oh yeah. Yep, I remember. The that. early
0: yeah. the, the the early contract, it wasn't like that. They were strictly, you know, giving the CBC a couple dollars and they were just taking their feed. That was it.
1: And I think maybe every once in a while they would send Jim Simpson and Paul McGuire out to do a big game here and there. I think I remember seeing the 81 Great Cup feed from ESPN that had them. And having them broadcasting the championship game and still being baffled by the rules. Maybe not baffled, but kind of just more in uh, just kind of in disbelief about what they were seeing. Uh, but yeah, I, I, gosh, YouTube is a treasure trove of all this sort of thing, and every once in a while you catch a glimpse of that, but yeah, you're right. A lot of what's out there is CBC. Uh, now, when you started watching, did you g- grab onto a team, or was there a player you followed when you had a chance to? Uh,
0: uh-huh. Yeah, I kind of rooted for Ottawa at first. I liked the big R on the helmet, and they had J.C. Watts as their quarterback, who I remembered from all the Oklahoma-Barry Switzer wishbone teams, and they kind of fit the bill at first for a while. And uh, I basically, and then I remember sending letters to every CFL team asking for information back in the days when you, you know, had to ask for that kind of stuff. And uh um, Ottawa, for whatever reason, sent me tons of stuff. I still have all this stuff in my attic—like media guides, Christmas cards, stickers. I mean, you name it. I guess they were impressed that it was the United States, somebody from the U.S. And uh, they were very gracious. I wound up getting on their mailing list. Somewhere, I have like their press releases that they would send out like, tons of stuff for a team that would then go three and fifteen. I guess they were. I guess they were just happy to hey, who, Who's this kid from the United States that keeps mail sending us notes? Uh, and, and a lot of the teams were very gracious. And I remember the one team that that uh, that would send like next to nothing was Edmonton. I think they sent me an envelope one time that basically said, uh, you know, "Buy a media guide." Oh. But uh, so, <laughs> which is, you know we were talking like 1982, 1983, yeah you know, like a media guy?
1: Yeah, and they weren't exactly uh, hurting at that point, I suppose.
0: No, they sure weren't, and uh, and back then, uh, you could, if you put a stamp on your on your various envelopes, it would, it was treated just like Canada was treated just like the United States. It was, if it was a quarter for a stamp, it was the same thing to go to Canada as it was California.
1: Yeah, if so, if only that were the case these days, I'd have a lot more CFL gear. I pretty much have to do my shopping trips when I'm there; otherwise, I'm paying more for the shipping than I am for the uh, items I want.
0: Oh, no doubt about that. Uh, my uh, a few years back, I turned my family on to Corner Gas here, and oh, they became... awesome. <laughs> and uh, I'm looking right now at my house. There's a Corner Gas poster framed and. Hanging, hanging in my hallway. So one year, I bought my wife and my daughter all this corner gas stuff, and it almost cost me enough in shipping to what I spent on the shirts and and all that stuff. I actually had somebody call me from my credit card company. And say, we just noticed a uh, unusually large charge from Toronto. Is is this you? Said, yeah. Yeah, my credit card. Well, we noticed when these things well are. <laughs> Yeah, it's like well, these well, we notice a large charge from out of from out of country, and we just want to make sure it's not hackers. No, 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 we're good. So I know all about the wonderful shipping charges from Canada. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: uh, I do know that there's at least one more uh, host in the CFL podcast network, John Hodge and Blue Bomber Talk, that is very deeply into that show as well. Um, that was the one thing the first couple of years I went up to see the Labor Day games that oh you're from the states have you heard from, have you heard of corner gas that was the first question I would get and then they put it on WGN like the second year I was up there like the week after I got back so I started and I still haven't stopped
0: <laughs> That that's where I first saw it uh, I was one night sitting around I worked third shift and one night it was uh, I was just sitting around and there's this show on WGN I watched a half hour of us couldn't stop laughing and just kind of spun off from there so we have all the DVD sets and you know my wife and daughter have the T-shirts and you know it, it's almost like it's an American show every day here where you comment where you have fanatical. Uh, lines from the show and this and that so you know it's it's a big deal here
1: yeah my wife have an unscored my wife and i have an unscored contest of whether we can drop a line into regular conversation from the show uh we always say we're going to get a point but we haven't been adding them up for years so it's just that kind of show where it's just, uh, we could go on for days about that, I'm sure. Uh, but getting back to your for your early days of CFL fandom, uh, I'm going to assume that with the USFL coming around, uh, ESPN was probably laying off their CFL coverage. When did you first start losing track of it? Uh, the problem is the you couldn't
0: get the game to the uh, as you said, uh, the USFL took a chunk of the timeline, at the end of the USFL season, right into the beginning of the CFL season. is same, the statements today, where the United States fans, oh, wow, shit, yeah, I was in the big football. And then as the NFL opens up, they pay less attention. And it became hard to find games, uh, hard to watch. So you were literally following through the newspaper. Little scores or whatever, and it was almost like you were back in the 50s. Everything was a little tiny, aggregate type until ESPN starts ESPN 2, and it's like the cycle starts over again. We should sure.
1: Not good times for Ottawa, for sure. Uh, Brett Dowdell, uh, wrote a, and I apologize to Brett if I miss, if I, um mispronounced your name, but he wrote a great book about the end of the Ottawa Rough Riders. It's definitely one you want to find. Uh, You can probably check it out on abebooks.com. Abe, like the president, and books. Uh, It is a great read for any of our listeners. Uh, It's a great picture of what happened to the original Rough Riders. Uh, Yeah, but going back to ESPN2, I remember those graphics you're talking about, the lowercase, the slashes. It it was the ultimate 90s look, wasn't it?
0: Pretty much so. Uh, odd colors, lowercase letters, uh, rainbow slashes on the back, trying to look graffiti-like. It was it's it was a pretty dated uh, bunch of graphics, and you would watch ESPN2 and Keith Olbermann's walking around with a leather jacket on. it. it's kind of. Uh, very dated for its time we're we're trying to show that you're hip hip, and then you look back at it 25 30 years later you go what the hell are these people thinking
1: (laughs) that that is for sure i i believe there's at least uh one uh clip on youtube the 94 great cup with the espn2 uh with gus jackson or gus johnson and mike mayock calling it, uh with all those old graphics so definitely one to check out there uh, and then, of course...
2: I, I think, oh, go, ahead. I think, oh, go ahead. I think the
0: 93 Western Final uh, in the snow between uh, BC... That might be 94 Western Final.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: 94. 94. That was a great day. <laughs> the but Eastern the, Final the, that day was good, to too.
0: And, and snow, and, uh, I think they managed to be the quarterback in the... In the, in the uh, Beat out a heavily favored category team. And, uh, those were really cool games because you, know, you watch these games as you get older. And when, I, I won't get on my political box, I promise, but the whole thing, climate games, you used to see so many more bad weather games in the United States than you do now. And up in Canada, you still see games. <laughs> and that's still you know, coming down to the playoffs that's pretty reliable. Chance of getting a pretty weird snow snow game.
1: Your eye a lot more than the plain NFL ball. I don't understand why they why they don't use a stripe myself.
0: You would you would think. I mean to me it just makes sense. But sometimes you get these leagues that are just so scared, someone's going to slap a lawsuit on them that it's you know, not not to do these things. But me, I always love the CFL ball. You could watch you could watch the scrolls and uh, see. I, I, you I mean, Joe, if you came to my house, you would see, not just the CFI, I have, like tons of stuff, about there that you can imagine. And I have an old football from, it's got to be from the mid-70s, because if you look really, really closely through the faded leather, leather it's the uh, the J5, JV5 or J5V football, and if you look real close on it, you can see the uh, autograph of the commissioner at the time, Gordor. and that ball... Been more pronounced than the 99 ball. It's like, you think, how, how could quarterbacks throw this thing? And it is, uh, it, 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 it really, I mean, it, everybody thinks of the Canadian game as this, you know, for quarterbacks you can't throw. I've always thought that you had to have more of an arm to play there because of the dimensions of the field. You throw a simple out pass here, and it's, you know, pick 60 the other way. Um, I, I live in a town where we call Tim Tebow. And play uh, his first year of minor league baseball. He came through town, and people were like, "Oh, you know, Tim he can play football in Canada." I said, "No, nah, uh, absolutely not. Oh, why not?" I said, "No, no, no. You don't understand. You know, you're you're, you're thinking you're connecting Canadian football with like Triple A baseball, or Canadian football with minor league football. It's a whole different world. If you can't throw with accuracy in the NFL, you can't throw with accuracy there." Because the simple out pass, is so much, you have to put so much more zip on the ball. Yeah. And he can't.
1: Yeah, and I remember back with, with the uh, CFL Traditions videos. I forget if it was the Ottawa or Toronto one it was on, but Condridge Holloway was saying the exact same thing to a player he was coaching. The player said, hey, if I can't get in the NFL, can you get me a shot in the CFL? And he just said, son, if you can't make that pass on an American field, why do you think you can make it on the
0: Canadian field? Exactly. Exactly, he's exactly right. And you have to put, because of the dimensions of the field, I mean, if you, he's exactly right. If you can't put it there on a narrower field, what makes you think you can do it on a wider field?
1: Right, right. Now, sounds like you followed Hamilton through the end of the decade there. Uh, I remember it becoming a lot harder to find games, and eventually, probably, I would say the early 2000s, they were just... Gone. was that the experience you had as well
0: ah uh, well what i was doing a lot in the uh the latter half of the 90s early part of the 2000s i was part of the uh, we'll be real quiet here the underground video trading which was not you know not supposed to do but you weren't hurting anybody the trading guy was had a fellow up in canada taping the games off cbc and tsn and on on video on vhs And then three or four times a year, I'd get this big box of videotapes. So I would spend the off season watching games that had been played six months earlier. Like I have tons of this stuff on VHS. uh, Memphis versus Birmingham, Memphis and Calgary. Like I had, I, I of the American, the American expansion, we had the Baltimore Stallions here, and so I had some of like the local games. They they showed some of the local games on on the channel. But I have all these of the American invasion games. I have a lot of Memphis games and some Birmingham. But uh, so I was watching all these games through videotapes. So where a lot of American fans don't remember those times, to me they're the most vivid times because I was watching them all year round because I was always catching up with these these games. And all of a sudden in the early 2000s, um, that's around the time where the difference in the postal service and all of a sudden the cost became prohibitive but you were so but yet we weren't to the point that we were able to stream games so it was really if you got really lucky on a certain night you could listen to games you know the infancy on audio but uh it was fun to follow because it was almost like the old the old time days of radio it was, you know you you weren't seeing the games but you were listening to the games and uh finally after a little bit i, I kind of like this is really funny joe when henry burris retired i was talking to my son i said he, he goes henry burris just retired he said i remember when i was a kid and he just started listening to games on the old you know the you know the creaky computer and he, the beginnings of the internet with he was this young hotshot quarterback and whatever and He's finally wrapping up, and, and all the things that happened in the interim, just in everyday life, and over the course of Henry Burris's career.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because I remember he even, took a, he even took a training camp pit stop in Green Bay, but that was a time where there was one quarterback in Green Bay and no others, even though the backups would always be guys that could go start somewhere else, too. And then I even remember him starting a game against the Packers with the Bears, which... Uh, Good goodness, that's yes. got to be like 15 years ago now, but yeah, just seeing him I, I, kind of hopping on the tail end of his career because the streaming really got good for me around 2014 where it, I had the proper equipment to get a good stream finally, but just following these guys for, a, for as long as they did and getting to catch at least this part of it was pretty special.
0: It was a lot of fun back then because you kind of felt like you were catching something that no one else was catching. Yeah, that. there so, there, um, there
1: is there is an element to there is an element to my fandom that's always going to be there. The kind of I know something you don't know. Not that I'm terribly proud of that, but I will admit to it.
0: Well, that, that sounds like me. I remember, I remember it without getting I again. I, I ramble, so you have to read me in sometimes.
2: <laughs> no worries. Um,
0: when I was in high school. When the United States first got SCTV, they, it was being shown like Saturday nights at like one thirty in the morning, like a half hour after Saturday night, night Live was over, and I remember watching it and just being completely enthralled with it, couldn't get enough of it, and I would go through school talking about this show, and people would look at me like, what the hell are you talking about? Well, you know, uh, it's, it's like Saturday Night Live, but it's, it's like really funny. And, the, the, and they would look at you like, do you mean like Eddie Murphy? And, no, no, not well. Yeah, like Eddie Murphy, but like this is nobody got it. It, it was like there's a little small pocket of two or three people that knew what the hell I was talking about. And uh, it was like, okay, fine. To this day, I feel like that about SCTV and the CFL. I guess it, maybe it's part of the of importing it in. That you have this little small pocket of you're part of something that other people don't really know about it's, it's, it's got its own little neat feeling in its own way
1: right as much as i like to stand shout it shout it from the rooftops at the same time there's kind of something um at least i, I don't know if i want to say uh, how do i want to put this <laughs> that's a hard thing to say it's like it just feels like hey i'm on to something that nobody else around here is on they are going on and on and on about the same things that everybody else is seeing, but I'm seeing things from a completely different direction. I don't know if that... it. I, I shouldn't say it makes me feel special, but that's the word I'm thinking of at the moment. It's like I'm let in on a secret what? that nobody else knows about. Even though I'm trying to tell them about it, it's still a secret because they're not catching on.
0: Exactly, exactly. Um you know uh you, you to, to this day when i there's certain things that i'll do or whatever and you'll see like um i was watching i think i'm a cleveland browns fan and i was watching my something condolences and they showed <laughs> they, they showed like a clip of something and the kicker was uh it was like from an early season game of whatever it was jerry cork said, i remember everybody played for the toronto argonauts or uh, uh the Eagles, the Buddy Ryan Eagles, they there was a clip of something and they go, the kicker was Dean Dorsey. And he yeah, I remember him. He kicked for, I think it was, I think it was Ottawa, but I'm not positive. It's like, yep. so it was, it, it's pretty neat that you would see this on times that you would get these guys that you remember from when they were stars. Like the, the one year Tom Clements came down here, he was in the middle of winning gray cups for various teams up north. And he came here and backed up for the Kansas City Chiefs in the middle of his career, and and then wound up returning to be a star. It's like, oh, I remember him. He plays for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Who the hell is the Hamilton Tiger Cats? <laughs> so you know, it, it, it's pretty neat even then. But it, it even further in hindsight, little things like trigger your memory from days. You know, how, how do you remember that? To me, Warren Moon will always be. Uh, number one in green and gold I, I don't even th- if, I, if I'm if i playing computer games or I'm doing whatever if I'm doing a picture thing for the various little silly things that I do, a grown man doing these type things, Warren Moon is always pictured in the Edmonton F- Eskimos uniform never Houston or Minnesota or whatever um, it, it's just weird how you think of things that way it's uh it's pretty it's pretty neat I, I i must admit i get a kind of a, a subtle kick out of it that that might be where i'm going more
1: so than feeling special it's like i kind of get a kick out of knowing something or having these experiences that other people aren't opening themselves up to. I actually did have one of our guys at work go, "Hey, I saw this. I saw the, the championship game on the TV. I was wondering if you were watching it too." "Yeah, I was watching it. I was watching it from row eighty in the upper deck." He's like, "Whoa, you went quite a ways <laughs> for that, didn't you?" "Yeah, that's the fourth one I've been to."
0: <laughs> it's it's weird how people look at these type things and they will say, "Oh yeah, you're 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 you know so it's always you're in the you're into that." Like I travel all the time for to various minor league baseball parks, road trips in the summer and spring and summer. They're like, oh, you're into that? Oh, I went to one of those. I, I drove, you know, to the team next next town over 30 miles away. Oh, yeah, well, you know, last week, that was in Birmingham, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it, it, it's a Birmingham, game, Alabama. Yeah, it's a whole different ball game as far as fan fandom. I was like, oh, I watched that. Wasn't it neat? Did you, I was wondering if you were sitting at your house watching it. <laughs> no, I was actually there. I was...
1: Yeah, that's a pretty good feeling to be able to say that.
0: Uh, that that's a pretty, see, that's why I, I like you guys' show so much. Uh, when you and I reconnected, I got turned on by you guys' show. It was like, oh, my God, here these are guys that were just like me. They're just a lot younger, and th- the times are different. You know, they're re- really into something that has – a small little little pocket base of fans, and, and they know all about it. I I, I remember being there, and it's it, it's a it's a lot of fun.
1: Well, I'm glad we're able to bring you back into that, and make and give you those memories again. I know we've made some good friends across the U.S. Uh, one in one in Alabama, one in uh, South. I believe he's in South Carolina right now, but uh, both of them big Birmingham football fans, and now they're. One of, them's been, one of them the sports writer that's been t- keep paying attention for 30 years. Another one bumps into Chris Jones, the old Riders coach. Now he's coaching near Cleveland Browns as a what a defensive assistant, I believe. And it just bumps yep. into him at a cornbread festival and knows all about him and knows all about what's going on. Even rooting for the team that he was coaching at the time. That's That's pretty darn cool, if I do say so myself.
0: The the biggest kick that I got out of that was, I think it's about three or four years ago, I was, uh, uh, I live in Maryland, but I'm in an area where if I drive five miles north, I'm in Pennsylvania. If I drive five miles south, I'm in West Virginia. And if I drive, you know, 25 miles south, I'm in Virginia. So it's like you know, a lot of different stuff going on. And a friend of mine said, yeah, there's this guy that, and um, picked PA about, you know, Ten minutes, ten minutes from the line, maybe twenty minutes to the, to the to the town. So this guy says he used to play in the CFL. Um, you, you always hear stuff like that because everybody said raises, oh, yeah, you know, it turns out, oh, I did this, and it turns out, nah, nah, you really didn't. You played, you, I played for the Kansas City Royals. I know you didn't. They came to town and at the, the American Legion Hall, and you went and tried out, you know, for a minor league scout. It's the difference than playing there. But uh, this guy, my friend, kept talking. Said, yeah, this guy says he he played there, and you know, and, and this and that. And then I said, "Well, what's the guy's name?" So I'll I'll check back. He's a he's like a supervisor at the um, local home for not necessarily orphans, but uh, not necessarily juvenile delinquent, but yet you know, young men that were having had had difficulties in life, and they work with them, et cetera. I said, well, "Get the guy's name." And he said, oh, "And so about a week or two goes by, and he says." Oh, the guy says that, uh, his name is, uh, he said, I've been calling him, er- his name's Earl. And he said, last last is Winfield. I said, Earl Winfield lives there? And he says, yeah, yeah. I said, I said this guy's about five nine, five ten. Yeah, yeah, he said he played North Carolina too. I remember Earl Winfield. So about a little bit of time goes by, and it turns out that I wind up connected with Earl Winfield in the parking lot of the IHOP. Uh, and I am walking out like the biggest Imagine at, at my age, walking to this guy uh with a Hamilton Tiger Cats mini helmet and about thirty eight cards and, and I got a picture of me in the, standing in a parking lot with Earl Winfield and he's looking at me like I would have never guessed that in here that someone would have known what the hell I who known who I was and uh let alone ask me to sign stuff. So I'm sitting here talking to you, Joe, and I'm looking dead across at my Hamilton Tiger Cats and signed mini helmet by Earl Winfield.
1: That's the kind of story you hear about from CFL fans
0: all the time.
1: Uh, wh- whichever side of the border they're on, there's always that connection. That's just not there in the NFL. They'd say unless you're either really lucky or you're really rich. <laughs> And I'm neither of those, but those kind of things are, those are great stories. Actually, I believe Josh from Podsky Wee Wee is a big Earl Winfield fan too. So I'm sure he'll get a kick out of that story. Uh, Now let's wrap, let's wrap this up a little bit by talking about, you got back into the league this past year. What are you seeing now as opposed to what you saw then? And what are you starting to like again?
0: Well, you know, I, I went back to rooting for Hamilton because it was just, you know, that's what I rooted for before. And what's, what was neat for me is because I'm still I'm still a big uh, college football fan, uh, Jeremiah Masoli, you remember him from Oregon. You, it, it, and looking back now, you can look at him in Oregon and say, oh, my gosh, that, that, he has the skill set that fits what they do. And, uh, and I think it's neat that, you know, Jerry Glanville, you know, from, from my youth, is, is hanging or still hanging around football up there doing? Uh, I think he's the defensive coordinator.
1: Yeah, he he, he did uh, he it, did do that last year. I don't think he's sticking on though,
0: unfortunately. Uh, and, and, do they keep June Jones as the head coach? Uh,
1: actually, actually they promoted Steinhauer from a defense uh, from assistant head coach to head coach because he's been a hot commodity for the last few years. June Jones actually took a step back. And just will just be the offensive coordinator who's kind of passing the torch, as it were, uh, to the guy that's been the heir, wow, heir apparent. Wow. Imagine that in the NFL. That, that would Can never you... happen. But you... but Steinhauer's been kind of the heir apparent for the last three or four years. He even, had, he even left for a year and came back. And Jones has just passed the torch and taking a step back and just going to go call offense like he's been doing for years on end.
0: That might be the coolest thing I've ever heard. You can you imagine an NFL team or even a top-notch college team doing that thing? I'm going to take a step back. I'm still going to be here. Still going to be involved. I'm going to let my other guy here. He's going to be the head coach. I'm just going to call the offense. I remember yeah. Orlando Steinauer playing, uh, playing uh, defensive back for the Tiger Cats in the uh, late '90s when I was so such a such a fan, um, and uh, he signs he signed the football cards for me, Orlando Steinauer. Uh, so that that's a name that I I remember well, uh, playing for the uh, Ron Lancaster Tiger Cats at of, of the time, and before that maybe even the Don Southern Tiger Cats. It could uh, could Don, very
1: well be, it could very well be. I don't I I'm fuzzy on my timelines at that point, but yeah, he was around it, there it's for funny. a while. Uh,
0: you know, if if you played during that time period, I remember you like a glove. If you played in the league last year, you know it's like I got to really strain my memory. It's part of old, part of old age. But I, I, you know, the only thing I didn't like about last year was everything was about Johnny Manziel, which I understand why, but it was just such a pain. And I get the biggest kick out of these guys that think these failed American head coaches that take Canadian jobs, and you can just see a mile and a half away that that's not going to work. Like, why on earth would Mike Sherman think that he was going to go to the Canadian game and succeed?
1: Yeah, that I saw that. The first thing I thought of is like, well, that was a mistake. And I actually liked Mike Sherman when he was at Green Bay, but that was a long time ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm was... well, in Texas A&M as well. And and it, I, I, most of the guys that go up there with the big names don't succeed.
1: No, and that lesson uh, and that lesson will be repeated year after year after year after year.
0: They, they look at it as it's the same game, it's a minor league thing, I'll get my, I'm, I remember when Dan Hawkins went up there after he got fired from Colorado and I'm like, Ha, ah, this is not, this is not going to end well, and it didn't.
1: No, and that didn't last long.
0: <laughs> it, you know, it's entirely, it's, no, it's, it's like you said, there's, there's a list of failed head coaches as long as your arm, Uh, you know, but Hamilton still had guys that knew, like I knew Brandon Banks from playing down here. It, uh, Steve Kass, Pastor's son, uh, Luke. It, it became the only thing, I will say this, Joe. Now, this is where I'll probably get into hot water with your listening base, so I apologize. The CFL had such great classic uniforms, and I watched, the, I, when I came back to watch it, I'm like, what the hell did half these teams do in their uniforms? Yep, that's what happens. Why is Calgary wearing black?
1: <laughs> that one gets hammered on a lot, especially since there's a team in the league now known as the Red Blacks, and you have a team on the other side of the country wearing the same thing. And their colors used to be red. Yeah, red, uh, You get you, maybe <laughs> the black as an accent, sure, but dear God, put him in what Doug Flutie wore, and you're fine. You could sell that look
0: for I mean, the next 100 years, and you'd be fine. That's what you think. I don't. I never understand. And the same thing goes with the NFL screws with things, too. The Browns used to have great classic uniforms, and now they're one of the worst in the league. Hey, Calgary had such great classic uniforms. Who who comes up with, with these things? And better yet, what dummy listens to them? Well, the only one that I looked at and said, I like this, was I liked what B.C. did. Because, see, I remember back in the early 80s. Uh the, They had their quarterback was Roy Dewalt, and they wore the white helmets and the orange jerseys. I liked that. That was more of a throwback look. That's okay. What does somebody say? The traditional colors here are red and white. They've always worn red and white. Now all of a sudden we're going to change everything to black. I, I I don't understand the mindset, and and they just they see if I. I I I just so much used to the old classic uniforms, and then now they have almost like a. Okay, I'm, I'm getting ready to duck the bows and arrows here. Almost like a this Alliance American football look to it. It's like, gosh, please, you had so you had such great uniforms, and why would you screw it up? Although I did like the fact that uh, Winnipeg seemed to be transitioning back to the classic blue. Yes, it,
1: it's women. it's weird because uh, the the two teams I love the most in the world right now are the Milwaukee Brewers and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They have very similar uniform histories. They have a classic look, like for, a royal blue before, and gold, royal blue and gold for forever. They screw it up in the nineties. I mean, not terribly, but they broke what was they broke what they tried to fix what wasn't broke, and now they're starting to come back. And put it back together the way it's supposed
0: to look. Well, it's funny, you know, during my, uh, go, uh, or I should say, Silver Age, I guess, of CFL fan, it was just when Winnipeg was starting to mess with that. Like Matt Dunigan was the was the Winnipeg quarterback in '94 when they uh, battled the Baltimore team all the way down to the wire. In the year after that is when they transitioned to more the Darker blue and the blue, the uh, like the more of a navy blue helmet. I'm mean, like, what? why on earth are you messing with this back then? And now that they're coming back, now it's more of the classic, like the Cal Murphy Winnipeg blue was always who I associate with it.
2: Yeah. And, know, and they never
0: had like.
1: anything that was awful, but it was never as good as what they had lost.
0: I just, yes. yeah. Very I, well put. Better put. And much much shorter in words than I. Uh, uh, Why would you? Everybody decides to mess with with what's not broke. Like I'll I'll give you another story. Uh, I'm originally from Ohio, so I follow the Ohio teams. The Cleveland Cavaliers, when I was a kid, were wine and gold. And in the early to mid '80s, when the Gund brothers bought the team. The first thing they did was change it to blue and orange, which was okay, and then they changed it to another blue, and then they had these these, these horrible, very nineties like white with black and swirls. It, they looked a lot like the ESPN two graphics we were talking about. Check out Cleveland Cavalier nineties uniforms are just awful. Royal, uh, like baby blue involved all, all these colors that they would constantly take these surveys, and it was all the fans would always say we want wine and gold, and the owner would always go no way in hell, and they would go pick what they wanted to do anyway. Why on earth would you not listen to your fan base? With and What inevitably always wins these things is the classic look and the classic colors, because people connect with it. You connect with it because this is what you watched when you were growing up, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers when you first watched it, you first connected, the gold helmets with the Block W and the... And, uh, The uh, Royal Blue, why would you screw with that?
1: Yeah, some teams teams are inevitably all over sports. Yeah, and some teams can dance around that a little bit. Like Edmonton has been changing the text and some of where the colors go, but they haven't messed with the colors. Saskatchewan's kind of done the same thing where they've still got the colors they've changed how they present them but it's the same colors. Hamilton the same thing Uh, they've kind of gone back to that classic early 80s look from what I'm from what I'm gathering with the stripes on the sleeves. Uh, Toronto same colors all the time different presentations every so often but the same colors it's the teams that Change that dramatically like Montre- Montreal did for quite some time. I feel like they're coming back a little bit to the classic 70s look, but they're still not quite there yet. But it's the team with the a triangle, right? Uh, they don't have that, they don't quite have that look back, but it's a lot better than what they've had the last 10 years. But you're right, the teams like Calgary that inject new colors into this whole thing, it's just not uh, completely loses, loses me because your colors are your colors are the most important thing about you that that's who you are and messing with that you'd better have a darn good
0: reason well whether, whether we want to admit it or not unless you pick the hometown team in anything that you do what connects you most to the team? you're, you're sitting down and you're watching a game and it's team a versus team b and you're watching this game Usually the rooting interest comes to you like one team's helmet, you like one team's jerseys, you like one team's colors, or maybe they have a player you've heard of or a coach you've heard of. But at its base level, that's really what attracts you and connects you, first of all, unless you're one of these people that says, I live in I live in Hooterville, so by God, I'm rooting for the Hooterville Hammers. Yeah, and that's just, you are connected through your colors. And if you have a fan base that a sliver... Of it is connected through you because hey, you know what? These uniforms look great. They're red and black, or you know, or or purple and blue, or whatever your colors. You tractors. Why would you turn them upside down and make all these people mad? And uh, you would know, think these guys never went to a community college and took marketing one hundred and one. Huh. We're going to, by God, we're going to get. You're going to like what we like, and by God, we're going to keep shoving it to you. Joe, you have a son. I mean, uh, if your son doesn't like green beans, by God, we're going to shove those green beans in your mouth until you swallow. it. Even though I hate every bit of it and spit it out and blah, 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 we're going to keep shoving it instead of giving me those applesauce that I really do love and can keep buying and keep eating. Marketing 101, but so many times in sports they don't get it.
1: Nope. They go after the money dangled in front of them and not take into account the money that – the future money that they may not gain by having something that doesn't look as good.
0: And by the way, you mentioned earlier when our phone broke up, I have the Brett Dalvell book on uh, Ottawa turnover. Excellent turnover. I was looking for that. It's a great read.
1: I was looking for that title, and I do recommend that any of our listeners go grab that book because he did a fantastic job on that. Um, But before I let you go here, uh, you're still you're still rooting for Hamilton this year. Um, You got any plans to go ever visit them? Go see their go see their new stadium.
0: Oh gosh, you know it, it, it's funny you should mention that because they were for years I kept planning on going to making trips to Iverwin, and for various reasons you you know you find reasons not to. Oh, you know this broke the water heater broke this that yeah, you know. and and uh, I used to spend buku amounts of money with the Canadian Football Hall of Fame because they had a great uh, gift shop. And uh, that's one of the big regrets that I that I I wish I would have done that. But if there is a team that if I ever uh, get around to getting a passport now, see, back in the old days you didn't need a passport; you could just get in your car. Go. Uh, I, I would love to do that. I even talked to this that my wife to this. day. Said, "One of these years is going to be an, you know, like an anniversary trip, which I'm sure she'll really love for you know, happy anniversary, honey. Let's go to Hamilton to see a football game." Um well see how it worked for
1: me was we took a trip to Niagara Falls and I looked at a map and went, Hamilton's forty five minutes that way. Uh out of a four day trip, can I get a half a day to go that way? And it worked out okay.
0: Well you see I don't have you know, now that you know, we don't have passports. I, I went to uh, two years ago with me and my buddy, we were up there for minor league baseball. We uh we did Buffalo and we did uh the the bubbling metropolis of Batavia, New York uh in the New York Penn League if you know minor league baseball and we spent the you know we spent an afternoon in Niagara Falls I had never been there or whatever and I, and I, as I stood there and looked across the line I said, really my buddy said what's wrong she I, he said you know what's wrong I can tell you are angry I said I, I'm really pissed off right now he said why is that I said it's right across the line and I can't go I said I I I'm mad and I I completely ruined the time for me which shows you what a jerk I am I, I was like <laughs> angry that I could not cross the line and go and do all those things so yes, I would love to do that assuming I would ever go through the uh the hassles of a passport and if I probably went there, I would probably fall in love with it because it's i from everything that I've read and seen and whatever which of course you see and read what you want to see and read uh it it I would probably absolutely fall in love with it other than the weather Maryland's too cold for me i <laughs> uh, it would. Uh, I wouldn't be moving in there anytime because uh, I hate the cold. But so a, yes, I would love. So to
1: do a great Cup in November might be a tough sell.
0: <laughs> oh no, 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 no! It'll be one of those uh, early season June kickoffs with the uh, BC Lions in town on a Thursday night. <laughs> It'll be one of those. It, uh, it like just like college football. I mean, with you being a, a Badger guy and all, with Ohio State, people tell me because I'm passionate about the buckeyes yeah we're gonna to go to a game uh if i do it'll be the uh september first game when the buckeyes host uh, kent state it'll never be michigan in the middle of uh, november just too cold
1: yeah that was the story we got uh my buddy ron from down in from down in alabama brought one of his friends uh, up this past year and the first thing out of his mouth when I when I said hi, it's like, "Hi! It's darn cold up here. How do you guys handle
0: this?" <laughs> oh yeah, I, I imagine, and I heard. I heard, he did your show, correct? Yes, uh, he's done it a couple I, of I, times. I, I, yeah. I heard that particular episode, and uh, I can imagine. I, I mean, I, I just can't imagine. I know the difference between here and going to a place. You know, far, way felt. Far, I cannot imagine going from Birmingham to canada that has got to be complete culture shock as far as the weather
1: yeah I, I would i would suppose so it wasn't even that bad in edmonton this past year but uh i guess i guess there's not too many of us that go edmonton in november sounds good sign me up
0: <laughs> yeah not, not not exactly the garden spot of the world if you are not used to the cold i i have a birmingham barracudas football from uh from that age, still in the box around here somewhere, and I, uh, somebody was looking. One of my buddies was was here and looking through the attic. He goes, well, "What the hell is this?" I said, if, "If I've got to explain it, you won't understand it." <laughs> yeah, c- Coming to my house at Joe, it, it's it's like there's like this incredible mishmash of Ohio-based teams with stuff that you would wonder, who are these people? Birmingham Americans, pennants. Uh, Southern California Sun uh, jerseys uh, you know and then you know I was a huge Matt Dunnigan fan so see if I saw I have every football card that Matt dunigan ever had. back in the days when Jogo was only releasing like you know 500 cards of everybody I have like every Matt Dunnigan card ever released.
1: Yeah, sounds huge yeah, It sounds like I gotta get collecting here.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, well, I, I, you know, I'll I, I, give you my address. You can come on down and buy some of this stuff. like I've always, <laughs> I've always tell everybody, you know what all this stuff is for sale. I am old now and do have to leave something for my children. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, I've, I've, I just I've always loved the game. It's been some it's been a a great part of my life. and when I wrote that piece uh, last year, after listening to you guys' show, I, I got a, a really big kick out of the fact how many people say, hey, you know what? I found you off Google, and I saw this." And it's always been such a great game, and the fans of the handful of fans I've ever interacted with have just been great. I mean, the guy that taped games for me in the mid '90s is a Facebook friend of mine, and you—it you know, just is. It's—I I can't say it. It's probably being melodramatic, but. You build friendships with, with people over something as silly, over a, a game that you... You know, thousands of, Hundreds and thousands of miles away. And it's... Uh, you build a kinship watching this. I, I it, It's kind of like I... You know, I tell people... I was only like five or six when the World Football League was around. So I had like a... Like a barely passing memory, but I still collect World Football League stuff. But the USFL, of all the... Um, Fly by night leagues—that's the one that hits me where I live because that's, you know, that I lived through that. I was a fan of a team. I watched every game every week. I did this and that, and this is where again, Joe, you, you feel free to cut this out if you wish. This nope. is why I have—I I am thirty-five years ahead of the world on disliking Donald Trump because <laughs> of the United States football league.
1: Yeah, I, I'm a few years behind you. I did live through the USFL, so I'm not that far
0: behind you but I, I, was in, I was in high school during the usfl and i watched almost every game uh that espn had two games a week and abc abc had the sunday game watched every game with a passion i took that leg folding so hard i, I you know 30 years before donald trump decided to run for president i didn't like him and i carried i've never watched any of his television shows it, it it's Nothing against his policies or his politics or whatever. I didn't like him as a person. And it goes all the way back. As if you... Anybody cares about... book by Jeff Perlman, he will say it much more eloquently than I. And uh, But back to what I was saying. As I said, I tend to ramble. <laughs> That's fine. You That's get fine. A, we do that too. <laughs> you, you, you get a... There's a certain amount of it's almost like comrades. It's like, you know, you live through something that other people didn't. And the CFL is like that, except for it never left. No, it's a small core group of people that are passionate about something that so many others either don't exist or don't care about. And the CFL has that. And it's been fortunate enough not to go away. And uh, I know that they're talking about the team in Halifax again, which has been something that has been talked about for, Years and years and years and years and years and years. I really hope they get that done because a ten-team league is so much easier to run than a nine-team league. Have, have you ever read the book about the CFL in the 80s and 90s? I think it was by Frank Costantino. It's called A Passing Game.
1: Yes, uh, the Passing Game, and then I also have Home Again, which is the one that follows it, I believe. Um, so I have. Okay, now
0: that one I, I didn't even know that existed. Now I'm gonna have to find something. Now I'm gonna have to look after that.
1: Yeah, I think Home Again is ninety six through to twenty fourteen,
0: uh, and oh, I can to see now you've just made my evening. Now I'm going to be combing eBay and everything else to try to find that book to go with it. Oh, I'll fi- I'll uh, find you the uh, link
1: to Frank's site, and I'll get that over to uh, you after we're done here.
0: Oh, terrific! Because uh, that book is. Uh, I'm looking at that in my library right now. It's a uh, it was such a great book.
1: Yep, because I think uh, I think these days he's split that passing game book into two, uh, with a new publisher. Uh, but the one, but if you, so if you have the passing game, you have the Alberta crude one, and then you have the one after that too, but you don't have Home Again.
0: Nope, I sure don't. I'm actually pulling it out right now. The passing game, a history of the CFL. Yep. Lots. And it, it must have something. It has up in, and and my copy is highlighted by somebody. So, uh, but you, know, you when you read these books, you go through and you go, look how long they have talked about putting a team in Halifax. Wouldn't it be great if those people could actually get it, get their team? So, I'm I'm I'm. Are they still going to call it the Atlantic Schooners? I mean, that's that was the name. <laughs> that, was actually the, have a,
1: that was the name they uh, announced a, at the schooner party at Grey Cup. So I don't think they're going to deviate from that.
0: Well, wow. well, and that's the name that's been around for years. And you actually have a pamphlet that somebody sent me from the like the early '90s when they were talking about it, talking about the Atlantic schooners. It's just it's just, it's, it's such a uh, it's such a great game. People need to catch on to it more. But it, it's it's it, it, the U.S. Uh, okay, you have to have me back on the show and talk about the U.S. invasion. Now, I could talk about that for an hour with your co-host nonstop. It, so many things were done wrong with that, and I lived in a, you know, I I'm about an hour from Baltimore, and at that particular time there was no, you know, there was no NFL presence in Baltimore. There's so many things that were done wrong that I'm in the minority, but I still think that could that could fly. They just picked the wrong towns.
1: Yep, they picked whoever had money that was willing to say, here's here, shut up and take my money, and here's a team. And that's all they did.
0: Well, you know. You know, I, when you go down—I've never been to San Antonio, but I've been to Memphis, and and I've been near Birmingham. Uh, I, I just can't understand those communities. You're trying to sell them an unusual game that that they don't understand and really aren't interested in understanding. I, I've always thought so uh, that it would have had a much better chance of flying if they would have picked mid-sized cities that had some kind of connection to Canada via television. Like, um, my son and I talk about stuff like this all the time, because we have their lives, apparently. Um, for example, uh, I know you're going into the Packers' backyard, but Milwaukee didn't have a physical team. Why didn't someone consider Milwaukee? Why didn't somebody consider Rochester, New York, which probably got over-the-air Canadian television? Uh, you know, um. Pick towns that have some sort of connection. Their people they probably have a decent amount of Canadian expatriates, and have a connection to being near the border and, and Canadian television, and have a connection to the game. Why, why, why not like Spokane, Washington, or Portland, Oregon? I know Portland probably didn't get TV, but you know, we're in a ballpark. Those are the type of towns that that I would have looked to expand to. Why on Why on earth are you going to Memphis, Tennessee? Why on earth are you going to uh, Birmingham, Alabama? It's I, I just, just stuff like that that just simple sports business. I still think the CFL could flourish if we're sitting here, you know, ten years from now or whatever, and you've had success in Halifax, and somebody says, you know, we stick our toe into the U.S. market, you know. You know, there are towns that are reasonably close to the border that I think could... I mean, look, Boise, Idaho is bigger than uh, Regina, Saskatchewan. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, it, if you're going to invade, you have to invade with people that are amenable to your product. I mean, uh, going to Birmingham and Memphis was going to be great in June, passable in July if you're lucky, and then it's, it's time for... Uh, time to be singing Rocky Top and Roll Tide yep. and, and Once you get tossed back the in the closet. The biggest
1: problem I see with any talk of U.S. expansion whatsoever, uh, besides the ratio issue, which is probably a showstopper in and of itself without the desperation of the expansion money being absolutely required. Uh, but the other issue I can see, um, that would be a problem. I'm losing my train of thought all of a sudden. Uh... Well, first of all, the ratio, of course, uh, that's going to be the biggest problem, because uh, you're not gonna, you're probably not going to get the players' association to roll over these days and say nope, we're we're okay, we can do that. Uh, but the biggest, pr- the other biggest problem you're going to have in the U.S. is that college football and the NFL are such entrenched brands that if you're playing games past the middle of August, forget it. You're going to start. Oh, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. But, so, because I'm sure you noticed with the TV schedule last year, ESPN2 had games throughout the summer but the moment you hit Labor Day it's all on the, on the Plus streaming package, which is a godsend for people like us but isn't exactly the greatest exposure for the product but you're, they're not going to beat even a Division 1 AA game or FCS or whatever they're calling it these days on ESPN News even so they de- so if the CFL ever got real serious about going to the U.S., which honestly would destroy some of what makes it special to begin with, but if they ever got real serious, they'd have to start thinking about a spring schedule, and then you're you're in real desperation mode if you're doing that.
0: Yeah, I mean you're, you 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 just can't run against those teams. You have ha you have. You have you have to be in the right markets, which is why I look back and go, "Why on earth you expect people to watch your game against Alabama and Auburn?" Right, and even Boise, it, even Boise, not gonna
1: and even Boise, Idaho, in September are going to be focused on the Broncos, and they're not going to be focused on uh, whatever team they would get there if they if that were ever to come to pass.
0: Yeah, I mean, there, there's a, there's a lot of things that are wrong with it. And in, in, in the end, it's probably better if they just build their brand north of the border. They have a great game and, and et cetera. I just, I know Baltimore was the one market that has succeeded to a certain degree, and some of that was because they were thumbing their nose at the NFL.
1: Exactly. It was
0: like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Tagliabue lives in this area, and he was a commissioner at the time, and. In a roundabout way, and I promise I won't bore your, your people too much, Joe, it, it, I've always, as a Browns fan, I've always blamed Paul Tagliabue for the Browns move to Baltimore because if Paul Tagliabue would have given Baltimore the expansion team they deserved uh, when they it went to Carolina, which was okay, but in Jacksonville, which is not okay, if he would have given Baltimore that team, which they deserved, Art Modell was never going to be the kind of guy that was going to go to Birmingham, Alabama, or Jacksonville, Florida, or Memphis, Tennessee, or Nashville, Tennessee. He was a Northeast guy. He would have found a way to make it work in Cleveland. And then the Baltimore Ravens wouldn't have won two Super Bowls that should have been in Cleveland. That is the type of thing. So everybody here in Baltimore, during that time that the Baltimore CFL Colts slash Stallions existed, hated Paul Tagliabue because they asked him on live television, why, did you, why didn't Baltimore get a team and what can they do now? And he basically said, oh, you know, they could, build a, they could build a museum or two with that money because Paul Tagliabue was a Washington guy. He lived outside of Washington, D.C. And he didn't he thought the Washington Redskins were good enough for Baltimore-Washington because Baltimore-Washington is only separated by like you know, 50 miles. He thought one team was good enough, and he was against Baltimore getting a team back. So in a roundabout way, that's why I don't like Paul Tagliabue. But Baltimore, the CFL was a hit in Baltimore because they were basically sticking it to Paul Tagliabue. They would have every game that they, the CFL Colts and the Stags would play. They would, they had all these old Baltimore Colts guys uh, doing the color commentary, and they are always on the field. Was, I mean, they they supported the team really well. But I'm not convinced it was that they loved the CFL as much as it was. They saw a way to stick it to the NFL. Yeah, that you should be here.
1: That was the motivation there, I'm sure. But uh, it sure it sure made for a great story. It sure made for uh, some wonderful memories of my own because that was a team I hooked on to because of what we talked about earlier. I fell in love with their uniforms, and I got a I Tracy Ham. I got a nice two year ride. I love Tracy Ham because I remembered him from the, the one video I had had of the CFL at the time. Yeah, it it was good times for not having a lot of exposure. I was able to get a lot out of it.
0: Yeah, and and, and so many guys from that era are the nicest guys in the world. I sent Tracy Ham a letter. You know, I guess it's like ten or twelve years ago. Sending some cards and because you know I don't know I don't know if you collect cards or not. I do to a degree anymore, but the Jogo cards are so few of them, and uh, I, I got a couple cards of Tracy Ham and. You got him me a couple extras. Oh my God! Thank you so much, it's so appreciate. wrote me a big long letter about how much how he enjoyed playing the CFL and blah 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 blah. And uh, you know, Matt Dunigan did the same thing. And and I guess it's just the difference in not necessarily the countries, but the fellows that go up there are just down to earth people. Kind of reminiscent of why like I hate the back in the day, but. You know, and this, you always hear these stories, like in the in the '60s and to a certain degree the '70s, where these guys they played their sport during the deal, and then they went back to their hometown. They sold insurance, or they were the guy at the rock quarry, or whatever, and then they would go play their sport for six months. That they were looked at as more of the regular everyday guy, where the CFL players are still doing that, and you, that's how you get drawn into the community. Like, uh, I think Damon Allen still lives up there. Uh, he's, I, I sent him cards years ago uh, after his career was over, and he, I sent him to someplace in the Toronto area. And uh, Pinball Clemens still lives up there. It, it's uh, really down-to-earth guys that the uh, Canadian people have made a connection with. It's a terrific game. I wish more people would get onto it. But then again, if they did, maybe it wouldn't be so much fun for us.
1: Yep. But I'm going to keep trying anyway.
0: No, no, nothing wrong with that, Joe. Nothing wrong with that.
1: All right, we will let you go. We've had on long, long enough, and we'll definitely have you back some time to talk US expansion. I know, uh, I know, my co-host Oz Davis is a big USFL guy. Uh, I have no excuse as to why I'm a big USFL guy, but I am too. So I'm sure we'll be able to throw some stories in, in about that as well. Uh, but for now, uh, oh gosh! But for now, uh, let's cut it off there. Uh, you've listened to the Rouge, White, and Blue on the Canadian Football Podcast Network.